Hello, I'm Sasha. Welcome to this special Monday edition of Q&A Thursday. At 2 a.m. on Sunday morning, a gunman walked into an Orlando club. When everything was over, 50 people, including the gunman, would be dead in the worst shooting in American history. I am personally still trying to make sense of this in light of all the other things going on in the world, so if you are having trouble wrapping your mind around it, you have my sympathy. Today, you'll hear from one of America's leading spiritual voices who himself is struggling to make sense of this as well, Dr. Joel Hunter. Reports, condolences, prayers, and condemnation are pouring in all over Orlando. Support meetings and vigils are springing up as well. One of those involved in the planning of such events is Dr. Joel Hunter. He is the former president of the National Association of Evangelicals and senior pastor at Northland in Orlando. When we reached him, he was traveling in his car between planning sessions. I understand you're traveling right now, uh, mobilizing the Christian community in Orlando. Can you fill me in uh, a little bit about what you're doing? Well, um, um, we it's just another uh, uh, minister's meeting. We're planning a service for tomorrow night. There's a there's a a, a, a community service tonight, uh, led by Equality Florida. It's an LGBTQ group. Um, and that has many religious leaders in it as well. Tomorrow will be uh, mostly a Christian-led service at First Baptist and also an interfaith service that will send people to um, uh, many religions. And so there's just a lot of gatherings right now, uh, trying to grieve as a community, trying to um, unify and uh, you know, face the future together and, and figure out how we can become a stronger community. What was your uh, immediate reaction when you when you heard the news? What went through your mind? You know, I, it, you're just dumbfounded at first. Um, it's it's really traumatizing news, and then it just kept getting worse. Um, and um, and you, you you your natural reaction is to try to say, well, who did this and why? But then you start thinking of the families. Uh, and your heart just breaks, and then you start thinking, okay, how much in the church have we either been at fault for marginalizing the community and leaving them vulnerable, or how much can we do in order to redeem this kind of situation? And so just all kinds of things go through my brain when I, when I first heard about this. What kind of posture do you think is needed from... Christians in the Christian community uh, at a time like this? Well, we need to be the people who are known for our love and our care and our real concern uh, for uh, vulnerable communities, no matter what um, what um, makes them vulnerable. Um, you know, that was Jesus. That's, that's who Jesus was. He just had a heart for the people who weren't included. And that's the way the church needs to be right now. 
you alluded to it uh, just a few moments ago. Um, what does it mean for Christians at this time to be the hands and the feet and the heart of Christ when people are dead and the community bearing the loss uh, has been so historically ostracized? How how do we do it? Yeah, I, that's that's what we're trying to figure out, honestly. Um, obviously, we can um, be supportive in um, trying to figure out how many of these families were involved in our churches. Um, most of them were um, Latino. The victims were Latinos, and so uh, we have a very strong Latino um, um, presence and, and community here in the uh, Christian community in, in uh, Orlando. Uh, and so we can probably support them and their support direct, uh, directly of the families. Um, so you just try to figure out, okay, every family's different. Um, every family has different relationships. Are there, you know, um, means of connecting specifically and personally to each of these families? You know, it's interesting you said you're trying to figure it out. And I guess in times like this, people like myself and, and others, you know, parishioners, would think people in your position would have a rule book. You have a playbook. You've got something you're going to. <laughs> oh, from your lips to God's ears. If only we did. Yeah. You know, what, what we have is a lot of experience with people in dire circumstances. And so we know that God's going to come through. Um, but, you know, the old Dostoevsky quote, you know, every happy family is alike, but every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you never have a plan book. Um, to respond to devastation uh, because each case is different um, and so you got to keep open to the leading of the Spirit but especially to the special um, circumstances and, and uh, outlook of that particular family or that particular person and so we that's what we're trying to do we just, we just figure it out as we go along you know sometimes when these kind of tragedies strike um, especially up here in Canada observing, you know, we see groups that come out and talk about God's vengeance and how somehow there were sinners that deserved what happened. Um, this circumstance seems especially especially ripe for that kind of response. How do we square the reality of passages like for a man's life another man is an abomination with the reality that we're called to love people? It seems like this is a perfect time to talk about that. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I can't... I mean, you'd have to be a horrible, callous fundamentalist to even, you know, say... On the one hand, we all deserve um, punishment. We all... I mean, we're all sinners. And so, yes, in a perfect system of justice, uh, we all deserve, quote, what we get. Uh, but thank God he's merciful, um, and he gives us grace beyond what we deserve. Um, and so I, I think part of the, the response of this is just to check any kind of rationalization that would go on inside of us. You know, Jesus was real clear about taking care of the log that is in your own eye um, before you, you know, take out the speck in your brothers 
Um, and I think the first response that most of us should have would be to make sure that we're not trying to justify our uninvolvement uh, or get out of the responsibility uh, that compassion brings by saying, well, you know, this is part of God's judgment or this is, you know, they put themselves in a place of danger because they were in a nightclub and they should have known better and all that kind of stuff. That's just, that's the most callous and despicable um, treatment of human loss. Um, and it's not at all like God's love. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's not at all like the Jesus we know that wept at his friend's grave, um, that, um, that would, <clears throat> excuse me, stop and, and, and embrace children, you know. Um, so anyhow, I, I, I don't quite know how to speak to people that uh, their immediate reaction is to um, somehow rationalize this kind of vengeance, but, but um, uh, that's not the job of the church. You know, we we see so often, and, and in some ways, the, the word evangelical has been uh, co-opted by um, the the type of response that you're talking about. You know, that sort of we, we we especially in Canada, we tend to associate words like evangelical with right-wing, conservative yeah. Christian, crazy person. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what I'm hearing from you is obviously a very measured, very thoughtful response. Uh, and I think people would be surprised to hear that you are the president, former president of the United States National Association of Evangelicals. Can you give us uh, an idea of, of what the evangelical response is right now on the ground? Yeah, on the ground, it's, uh, you know, we are unified in our compassion, in our brokenheartedness uh, for those who have suffered loss. Um, you know, evangelicals, it means good news, uh, one with good news, and, and you're right, uh, we've, we've got just the opposite re- reputation. Uh, many times when we walk down the hallway, people dive in their doorways because they think they're gonna, we're going to bring condemnation, um, but that's not the reality um, uh, of most of us, and that's not the reality, certainly, that's in Orlando today. Um, I don't hear anyone who is not wanting to be of um, of help and be of uh, that's not, not wanting to pray for this for for the people who have um, been in harm's way and um, and not wanting to bond together to to build a, a better community. It doesn't mean we change our interpretation of scripture. Um, it means that we make sure that those of us who have been saved by grace are also the ones who convey grace, and uh, and that's that's kind of the mood on the ground right now. The tension is rising between the parts of the Christian world and parts of the Muslim world, and on both sides, um, from where I'm sitting, I've seen people waving their arms, screaming for a new approach. Uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, we definitely need a new approach. I mean, even even if it weren't. Um, the fact that it's the wisest, most practical approach. If you if you're afraid of of radical Islam, there's no one that's going to change that section of that small section of Islam except the Muslims. 
Um, and so for Christians to believe that somehow they can argue their way out or win, you know, uh, a war against the radical Islam, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's very impractical. And so even on a practical level, uh, working with Muslims of goodwill uh, to somehow uh, make both of our faiths the healthiest they can be is just the best approach. And, and I think that as time goes on, um, we will come, I hope, we come to a point of wisdom that we get sick of the polarization um, that is play, taking place in our cultures and, and, and the, the, um, the, the harmful and, and um, the warlike rep, uh, rhetoric that we're throwing at each other. We're, we're becoming a, violence, a, a culture of violence, not just with guns but with words. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm really hoping that people can focus on Jesus long enough to know, A, that's not him, and B, that's not smart. You've advised President Obama in the past, and both presidential candidates are going to be speaking out on this. What would it look like to have the gospel guide their tone and not just uh, concern about votes? Well, it would be wonderful. Um, again, if if, uh, if their understanding of their faith uh, were was about um, protecting the vulnerable. Uh, President Obama, uh, for all our, uh, well, for for some of our political disagreements, um, that's his that's his that's his grid um, that he wants to make sure everybody's treated fairly and with respect, um, and 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 people um, are not discriminated against uh, for any reason. And so I would love to see that also apply to any president that we have, that that person would be um, helpful and constructive for all the population of the United States and all the population of the world. Uh, because Jesus, um, you know, for all his, you know, <laughs> for all his... Uh, um, Challenges with from from uh, uh, from adversaries and and opposition and so on and so forth. Just continue to love people where they were, um, and and laid down his life for them instead of needing to win some sort of theological battle or some sort of uh, uh, power um, uh, you know power game. And so and so I just hope that. If I have any influence in the upcoming administrations, I doubt that I will, um, that I can have that kind of influence in them. You, you talked there about the, the needing to win, and you kind of put your finger on it and named a few sort of cultural issues that we're facing right now around polarization and the culture of violence and the culture of fear. Um, what kind of messaging do you think would be helpful? Because it's, it seems like increasingly all sort of the tribes are speaking to themselves. Yes. Do you have any thoughts about how we could inject into these different tribes, you know, a different way of thinking that might break this cycle? <laughs> well, the only thing I can, we can continue to do is remind people that the only way they grow 
um, is to um, listen to and encounter and cooperate with people who are different than they are. If you just keep in your own category, you'll never grow, um, and 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 therefore you'll never you'll never come up with any better solutions than what you already have. Um, and so we need to be able to tell all people that our problems are so big that not only can they not be solved by any one um, constituency or any one group, but we won't even come up with good, creative, um, new solutions until we start talking to people who have different perspectives than we have. And so I hope that's that's a message that we'll get one of these days because that's how a good deal of progress is made. Somebody comes up with a new idea, uh, and new ideas don't come from just thinking like you always thought. What about people who don't want to or don't think they need to grow? Because in some cases... They're the loudest, yeah. most dominant voice. Yeah, and then and what will happen is uh, they will become more and more self marginalized and then self isolated, and they'll be become angrier and angrier. But they will be marginalized uh, because that group does not hold power very long because they don't have the creativity um, and enough answers to hold leadership for very long. You can only hold leadership. If you can take pe- people uh, for very long, if you can take pe- people forward, and that type of person really doesn't take anybody forward. My last question for you, sir. Uh, the Twitter sphere is blowing up with tightly worded sentences about love conquering hate, but it feels sometimes like hate is ruling the day. Yeah. And today, there are 50 bodies as proof of that. Can you point yeah. to something practical that might encourage us, might encourage our listener? And to stay positive and keep fighting the good fight. Well, you know, I'm 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 reminded of Forrest Gump. You know, when when people used to call him stupid, he'd just say, you know, stupid is stupid as does. And and you know, it's easier to say it's easy to say love conquers hate. Um, but love is as love does. And and we will have a better world if we can act more lovingly. Uh, toward people, especially toward people who disagree with us. So if if people are willing to meet, meet that challenge, then we've got a great future ahead of us. Um, and if they're not, as I said before, they will become more and more self-marginalized and self-isolated. Well, Dr. Joel Hunter, I know you're a busy man, especially with everything that's going on, so I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, have a good day. And you. Bye. Bye. That was Dr. Joel Hunter, senior pastor of Northland, a church distributed in Orlando. He is helping to organize outreach, support, and prayer events in Orlando in the wake of the Pulse shooting. We reached him en route to one of the many events he is participating in today. For more information, stay tuned to Context this week. You can also reach me on Twitter at Sasha in Context. I am Sasha. This has been Q&A Thursday on a Monday. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon.